Hi everybody and welcome to the Friday episode of the Endless Health Podcast. I hope you're all well who's watching along and also going to catch up on YouTube and all our audio platforms too. I'm joined by Ross. How you doing buddy? And first of all, what are you drinking? Um, I'm doing fine mate and I'm having a, a pint of Guinness. Love uh, it. I'm limiting Love myself it. to two because I'm going to run at half seven tomorrow morning. Supposed to be definitely. We'll be live at half seven tomorrow morning, so you know that's never <laughs> going to happen. And James, what about yourself, mate? How's yourself, and, and what are you drinking tonight? I am all good. Looking forward to a wee therapy session, and I've got a wee half bottle of bucky thistle there, so that will see me through. Decent, decent, mate. And I like that a lot. They're never going to live it down. I'm honest. I mean, Ross said something totally fucked up before. Come on, I'm not going to say it. It's, it, it's called a Molson. Canadian lager, it's a cheap stuff, it'll do for a Friday night, and I know there's loads of comments in already, but before I get to that, here's what's coming up, like a TV show, isn't it? About Matt O'Reilly yet again, can you just bring us up to speed about where you're at with regards to a report of a bid from Atletico Madrid, please. Yeah, yeah. well, there was that, but uh, but Matt's obviously a player that we, we don't want to lose and uh, he, he won't be going anywhere in, in January. Have to say, hats off to Willie who puts them together. They're absolutely fantastic. And look, there's comments already piling <laughs> in. But we want to do an update on the Super Six. Uh, Alistair Jack is still out in top. Kieran Sack and Mark Third. Stephen Coulthard fourth. Anthony Dunn in the middle fifth. Joe Finley sixth. Brian Taylor seventh. Kevin Hamsey eighth. And our own Franny Cardi is coming in at ninth. Can't see the tampon because of the banner below, but it's all good. And I mean, Ross, there's been a lot of stuff happening. And in the comments, it's it's quite busy. Monty's in. He's already is our board fit, fit for purpose. We're going to come on to that. Sam Fran, Hail Hail Lads. CJ Black, looks like the board added again. No more January signings. And strange love the doctor. Good evening, fellas. We'll have a lot of people in already very early on. And I know Carter Vickers signed a new contract. But before we come on to that, obviously at the start of that week clip there, it was the, the, the news that Atletico Madrid bidded or a loan obligation to buy type deal for... Matt O'Reilly, we all knew he'd, he'd be attracting interest. And look, I can see obviously the board is getting a lot of flack and we'll be on to that topic tonight. No no worries. But <laughs> I, I think that um, is a credit words do. I think Roger is very kind of robust in, in his thinking with Matt O'Reilly. He doesn't want to lose him in, in the January window. And it looks like by all accounts, even on the, the social medias, there's like wee clippets from it saying Matt O'Reilly will be staying with us. 
past the, the January transfer window, which which is good, leading into the summer transfer window. But your overall reaction to that, Rogers coming out saying they've re- rejected the bid and he's going to be a selling player for the foreseeable future. Uh, well, I mean, it's one of delight, absolute delight that our best player this season is staying with us. But first of all, my question to you is, what are you going to do as a forfeit? Because I think uh, <laughs> Gavin had uh, said he would do one and it looks like the ball's in your court, Stephen. Wow. Never I'm leave thinking it something. Me. I'm thinking something lacy. <laughs> no, mate, I don't mind. I've got the physique. I've got the legs. You want to put that hang on me? I'll stand, I'll stand in front of this camera. No problem. <laughs> nah, but um, seriously, um, it's great news that Matt Riley's staying. And, I mean, uh, for me, it, it was never in doubt. Uh, I just don't think everybody goes on about Celtic's position uh, in terms of what they've got, in terms of finances. Uh, and I just think that coupled with the fact that... <laughs> is that to me? No, me. Oh, I my guinea forfeit. Aye. Um, aye, that coupled with the fact that it's mid-season, He's our best player, or he has been our best player this season, I would have to say. Um, <clears throat> I just think, I think even Gavin touched on it on Wednesday night. Uh, for to sell, matter, well, it wasn't even, it was a loan to buy, and then you're maybe getting 25 million in the summer, where you can keep him and help us for the push towards the league title and a £60 million windfall. It just didn't make sense financially or on the field. Uh, and I don't think it was ever in doubt for me. And I'm, as I said, delighted that he's going to be here. Take the summer. I, I'd already, I'd said to you in the group chat, I'd already resigned myself long before now uh, that we would lose him in the summer. Um, I think that will be the case because his potential is, he's, he, he could go almost anywhere he wants. But um, I, for the moment, delighted that he's staying at Celtic. Yeah, it, it is good news to be fair, James. And I feel, I feel like we're going to be talking about the board, the recruitment policies throughout this whole podcast. And I know Ross is really excited to do that. He's absolutely buzzing and chopping at the bit to get stuck in. But I mean, you, you look at it, it was a weird kind of structure to the deal. I think if we accepted that deal, more questions would be asked because we've done it before with Kearney. We've got the money up front. We've done it with Jada. We've got the money up front. And I loaned the obligation to buy. Look, I know you're guaranteed the money at the end, but it, it, it's a wee bit of a strange structure, especially from a Fredrico Madrid's point of view, because they could really afford that fee outright. But like, like Ross said, I think as Celtic fans, and look, we've had a wee bit of a, a play around on TikTok with, with different uh, clips, and Willie put that together. Strange Love was in asking to play the, the Matarelli clip. I'm not fucking leaving. It, it was just fun. Yeah. But it's, it's like... For him even as well, if Felico will come knocking and the bid's confirmed, he, his head could have been turned. He could have been like, I want to go now. I won't get this opportunity in the future again. But it seems like him and Rogers have had that chat. He's happy with the progress. He's happy with the development. And Rogers has laid out a plan for him. And I think we're all resigned to maybe losing him sooner rather than later anyway. Aye. I think it's a given he'll go in the summer, but I think that was kind of fairly evident before um, any bids come in this month. But... Um... I overall, obviously, <laughs> of course, it's positive. Um, as, as Ross was saying, there he's he's our best player this season, so of course I want them to uh, kind of stay signed up, stay stay signed up. Um, but <laughs> don't get me wrong; I think if if we had done offer twenty five million or whatever on the table there and then, I think it might have been a different conversation. But 
that's neither here nor there. It never, it never happens. So credit where it's due. Um, credit to Riley as well because he seems to have a really good head on his shoulders. Um, obviously, as used to Atletico Madrid, it's not as if you're moving down to a middle of the road team down in England. They will genuinely have aspirations to go deep into the Champions League to try and win it. Obviously, um, so I credit credit to O'Reilly for getting his head turned, and if he keeps it up, as we say, hopefully we'll have his pick of the teams in the summer for him to go to and start a bit more. Oh, a bit more is what we all want. Do you think that the same Ross King James makes a good point? And like, I I genuinely believe if Thadigo went, there's 25 up front, we'll, we'll take him. I, I think that would have been a done deal. Maybe the reason why Celtic rejected it, in my opinion, was it because it was a loan at first with no money up front. Are you on the same lines of thinking there? Or do you just think Celtic just can't afford to let him go and Roger was just so insistent on, on that transfer not happening? I, I don't think that Celtic would have let him go in this window. I think... We'll probably get into it, but I think as much as we all want to bring new signings in, I think as important uh, was keeping our best players, such as Matt O'Reilly, um, Carter Vickers, uh, players like that, uh, even Abada to an extent. <coughs> uh, I think that's as important. Uh, and I don't think, the way Roger spoke in his press conference yesterday, I don't know if he's seen it. Was it yesterday? Aye, it was yesterday. Um, he, it was... Just like point blank, we don't want to let any of our play- any of our top players go. That's not what we're about now. We want to bring in that that word that James loves that <laughs> quality. And it's 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 not. He wasn't just saying quality though, because that's a generalisation. He he was more specific in saying a certain type of quality because quality could mean anything. And he's been saying quality for ages. And I agree with James that that has been getting on my goat. Like just keep saying that and. It's mixed messages at times, but uh, he, he's talking about yesterday a certain type of quality. Um, but I, I just, I don't think. I mean, don't get me wrong. If Atletico Madrid came in offered sixty million, of course Celtic would take it because I don't think any other team in their right mind would offer sixty million to buy Matt O'Reilly. I think Matt O'Reilly is well worth twenty-five million pound. Uh, but as I said before. If they'd came in and offered £25 million, you weigh it up, Celtic weigh it up, and they go, well, if we let Matt O'Reilly go, that could jeopardise our title push, and then we lose out in £60 million. It's, It doesn't really make sense financially, if nothing else, apart from on the field. So I, I, I never thought at any point, had it been £25 million, even £30 million to an extent, I still think Celtic would have rebuffed that in this window. In this window. Uh, I'm on James's thinking here. I think we would have accepted that. If we were getting that money up front, I think we'd have been saying, all right, here's, here's your plane, take it over. But look, it's good news he's staying, so let's not dwell on a negative that that's, never, that's not happening at the minute anyway. And James, we talk about future planning, the recruitment thing, and all that type of stuff, right? What about the replacement? Should Celtic really start looking at who to bring in here for the summer to replace him? Or is it Paolo Bernardo that replacement? Obviously, the form he's shown, and people joke around, he has a demeanour of Matt O'Reilly, and people get confused with him and stuff like that. It's a bit of a laugh, but you have to understand as well, from my point of view, I think Bernardo's been excellent the last four games. He's contributed with goals, he's contributed with good assists, and it's what Matt O'Reilly does in a nutshell. Plus, he's good at, good at the defensive side of things as well. So he can get up and down the pits. He's mobile. He's box-to-box, which, again, is what Matt already does. So do we have the replacement under our nose? 
And I know Roger said the fee for Bernardo isn't out of the question. We can afford it, but it's up to him at the end of the day. So it's not an obligation. It's an option to buy where Bernardo can still say no, like much like Felipe Yada could have. Or do you think if we get whatever for him in the summer, which we're all resigned to him look, going there anyway, in terms of a transfer, do we need another player in as well, alongside of Bernardo, to kind of fill that void that already would leave? I, I think, if I'm being totally honest, I think Bernardo was brought in with a view to O'Reilly leaving next summer. Because um, at the time, it, it seemed a bit of a strange signing in the sense that we, we've got loads of kind of midfield players and by and large, they all pretty much want to do the same thing. Um, but O'Reilly, McGregor, Hattati, arguably the only one that has actually played this season and is maybe slightly different in the sense that he maybe wants to play more defensive is Iwata. Um, so... Turnbull as well is another one. They all kind of want to play their best fit by going forward in that kind of number 10 role. I know it's not really where they play, but it's a similar idea. Um, so when we signed Bernardo in the summer, that that was my initial thought. And don't get me wrong, he's been absolutely fantastic for the last month or so. I think it actually is a month because it was kind of Boxing Day, wasn't it, that he came to the fore, really? Yeah. Um, so I, for the last month, he's been excellent. Prior to that, it wasn't bad, but he, he was kind of buying average if, if I'm being honest he was just kind of there so hopefully he keeps it up and he looks as if he's gone he looks hopefully that's just a case he's he's found his feet I mean obviously the manager sees something in him because pretty much the only game time he was getting was in the Champions League games um, so I, I in short I think I think that Bernardo will be O'Reilly's replacement I think but we will I'm sign saying... another midfielder but I think it'll be yeah. a mere kind of holding midfielder because Rodgers has spoke about a getting kind of physicality and I know we, we all say it and we're all fed up hearing it but I kind of a Winyama type midfielder um, that's, that's uh, the one we've for years hasn't it uh, but I think with, with, with Rogers, we've got a, a good chance of getting it um, because uh, as we say it's kind of the players that he likes a wee bit bigger and physical for the spine of the team yeah I, know, I, I get that 100% that's what I was kind of pushing on to see if you think we were saying another midfielder you're off the aspect of a physical midfielder, Ross, what James is saying there. Strange enough, the doctor comes in. There's no direct replacement for O'Reilly. He's a unit, as well as Crafty, with him without the ball. But then again, it wasn't that long when we were linked with Matt. We were like, fucking who? Yeah, again, that, that's another thing. The recruitment is for MK Dons. People can be kind of snobbery towards League One. I, I'm certainly guilty of it. I hold my hands up. So do you think, like what I asked James there, the replacement kind of search is already underway? Bernardo, I do think we will sign on a permanent. I think Rogers is making noise about that already because he's kind of come on the game. He seems interested. And like what James said, no one really knew what he was brought in for at the start. He was playing the Champions League games. He was disappearing for the domestic games. But now, due to injury, he's got his run and he's doing quite well. So I think we will sign Bernardo. But if Phil Riley eventually leaves, I think we need someone in there with that kind of effect that he would have on a game. Um, well, I'm... A- James might be surprised by this, but I'm in agreement with him. I know. That's a strong. <laughs> I know. For context, me and James very... Me and James very rarely agree in the group chat, but um, no, I, I agree with James. I think that... Listen, Celtic have been accused of not forward planning. And if Bernardo is going to be Matt O'Reilly's replacement, then for me that's forward planning. Um, they've brought him in in loan. He's 21 year old. I think Matt O'Reilly when he came into Celtic was 21 year old as well, albeit it was a permanent signing. Um, 
But in the time for Bernardo came to Celtic to now, I think you can see that sort of natural natural progression. I think Brendan Rodgers is obviously doing his work with him and he's he's coaching him well and he, he's a better player now than what he was when he came in at Celtic. Uh, you have I, I don't think that can be argued. Uh, you give Bernardo another six months under Rodgers and um, Matarelli goes in the summer. I think he's got a lot of the same attributes as Matarelli. I'm not saying by any stretch that he's as good as him. He is not right now, but the potential is all there for him to be as good as Matt O'Reilly. And for me, if he progresses to the in the sort of trajectory that he has in the first six months for the next six months, then I would be more than content with Bernardo coming in. To, I, I don't like to say Matt O'Reilly's replacement as such, but I would mm. be more than content for a pay six million for Bernardo, Bernardo and have him in the team and it fills that void if you like that Matt O'Reilly leaves um, but as I think it was Strange Love the Doctor said is you don't replace Matt O'Reilly because he's so good right now and it's similar when you look at Jota like Jota he's in a, in a, a, irreplaceable to an extent these these guys like they, they came in right and they were signed well, Jota came in on loan, but he was signed for six or six and a half million. Matt Rail was signed for one and a half. They didn't come in as twenty-five million pound players, but they're leaving as twenty-five million pound players. Not for Celtic. Celtic don't replace twenty-five million pound players. They get, they try and get what they had before and make them another twenty-five million pound player. And you keep on, keep a hold of them for as long as you possibly can. And in the modern day, that's becoming more and more difficult. But um. To answer your question, I'd be more than happy for Matt O'Reilly to, um, sorry, for Bernardo to be signed in the summer to sort of fill that void to an extent. And as I said, in agreement with James, I would uh, listen. I, I like Abata. It looks for all the world that he isn't going to be Brendan Rodgers' guy, but I totally mm. agree. I would like to see somebody in there be a bit more physicality because I think most of the midfielders we've got all want to do the same thing, and we need that sort of a bit more battle in the team, a bit more physicality. I think that does lack um and we've been saying that, Stephen, for a couple of years now, to be perfectly oh, yeah. honest. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but I, we were calling for a lot at the start now, remember? With with Colin McGregor and 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 the, and the double pivot, <laughs> the plug Wednesday show. <laughs> you know what I mean? double pivot. What I, I, <laughs> I want to say is nineteen minutes, eighteen seconds in, Chalk that number down because that's the last time Ross and James are probably going to agree <laughs> this whole podcast. So that's strange love the doctor. The balance in the midfield with Matt, Matt O'Reilly, Cal Mack and Bernardo was really good. It might even be hard for Rio to find a st- spot if they keep playing how they are. Uh, Bernardo doing what Moy did last season. Don't really agree with that. I think Bernardo's a better player in my opinion, but I do get what you're, under, uh, what you're saying. Monte, build a team for the domestic game and get utterly embarrassed in Europe. Peter Lowell. I think this is a good point by Celtic 67. Bernardo will be learning a lot from already. And to be further, both similar ages. But uh, yeah, it's a brilliant point though, because again, it seems <laughs> like Bernardo kind of finding his game at the minute with Celtic and what his role actually is. And he probably is learning a bit like Matt as well, because he seems to be a leader, even though he's really long, young in the team. You can see, but, you can sort of see, sorry, Stephen, but I've just got to say off the back of that, you can sort of see the appreciation on the pitch between between mm. each player on each other's game. Uh, I think I think Matt O'Reilly actually, if I remember right, I think he set up um, Bernardo's 
the first goal against Bucky Thistle, and obviously when Bernardo was celebrating, you you seen that that sort of like conversation between the two of them. Camaraderie. You, tell, you don't know what they're saying, but you can tell that there's depreciation for the pass and then the finish. Uh, so I definitely agree with that point. Yeah, Monty, the game's flying in with, with comments. Question, is this board pushing the teams almost <laughs> upwards? Are they? If, if not, why not? We're going to come onto the board in a, in a wee second, Monty. <laughs> Trust me, it's my favourite topic. You all know this. I, I love talking about the board. But Ross, I... But, James, another bit of good news to come out today, kind of breaking news around, I think it was in mid-afternoon, Cameron Carter-Vickers signed a five-and-a-half-year contract. There was a late bid, I think, from a Qatari club to get him. I think that was rejected by Celtic. And to be fair, I don't think Vickers will want to go there in this stage of his career. But for another kind of victory, for, for us to tie down Carter-Vickers, O'Reilly, Kyogo, Leila Bada, we're definitely tying down the assets. And I think Carter-Vickers was the last in a long queue. And again... It's another great bit of business to do that. I definitely. Um, it's good to get a, the occasional nugget of good news in and, and amongst the doom and gloomy Eras transfer one day. Um, see, see if I'm being totally honest, I know it's not really what you've asked. I'd maybe take a wee bit of hope, maybe the wrong word, but maybe take a wee bit of hope for the fact that we haven't held on to that till deadline day to announce it. As, <laughs> oh, genuinely, though. <laughs> Because I, I don't think the board are, are that tone deaf. So I, I take that there's absolutely no weight behind anything I'm saying, but I just take that as a, the slightest glimmer that we've no held on to it as we've done previously to announce stuff on deadline day. So fingers crossed that I'll be saving Rocco Vata for deadline day. Is that what it is? Is that our, is that our new striker? By the way, see as clinical as Lauren Shankland is, James is cynical. <laughs> Are you happy, James? Are you happy that he signed the contract? I, of course, I. Delighted. Um, obviously, he's the best best centre back in the league, but probably be quite some distance if we're being totally honest. Um, I delighted. Great news that he signed up. Paul McFarland, James. We don't have occasional nuggets. The board are all nuggets. Sam from. Ross, Carter Vickers is here for nine in a row. Uh, Jed Thomas, uh, Carter Vickers is the best defender back country mine. And for me, like alongside Scales, N- Naraki, Stephen Welsh, I think it's a, a kind of great core to have there, isn't it? With him signing that new contract. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, I touched on it earlier. To, uh, to keep our big players such as Carter Vickers or Riley, I think it's as big as getting some signings in. Um, because... I think we'll get on. It we'll get into it further, but oh, we're getting into it. It's no easy. It's no easy to get the 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 certain type of quality that Brendan Rodgers is wanting. But I getting him tied down. Listen, it doesn't mean a great deal in terms of he'll, he'll still be able to leave. Do you know what I mean? It's not like we've locked him up, but it it gives us the the sort of more power holding the cards, if you like, when teams do come in and you can demand a bigger fee because he's got a longer contract. And listen, again, it, it's it's good as well because Carter Vickers is happy to sign on. He's want to be here. He doesn't want to go mm. to that late bid, wherever it was you said, like it was at Qatari or something. Qatari club, yeah. Qatari. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, he, he wants to be here. Uh, and he has been injured uh, a lot this season. So, if I'm being honest, I didn't expect him to leave because I don't think teams 
are going to go in for a guy that has has had his sort of last six months have been up and down fitness wise. They want to see him playing for a more prolonged period again before they come in with bids for him. But I think at some point it will happen if he continues the form that he showed in the first couple of years. Yeah, I think that, that happened with Rio Atate in the summer. He got in, I know it sounds bad, but he got injured at the right time. No cup would take advantage of it. When he came back, he was starting to find form again. <laughs> then he got injured again, so no one's actually benefited from it, do you know what I mean? But by all accounts, he had a, a good uh, game there for Japan against Indonesia. I see Zay Black comes in, his scales getting a new contract. I do believe so. I think Rogers confirmed <laughs> there, there is uh, talks happening there in the background. Um, Sam Fran with the dreaded one. Carter Vickers is back like a new signing. Oh, jeez. Oh, they, they MO test not say. But we're going to get into it as we've been referring to, James. And we'll start with a. That's a, a quite simple one. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Is, right. If you, if you go back, I would say maybe November time, Roger started making noise about. Your favourite word, quality players. A few more quality additions. It turned in from one to two to three to four. December time, he was still making the same noise about getting quality players in the door. Now, from his latest press conference, I've kind of got the slight kind of, I know, feeling that he's preparing us for a slow end of the transfer window with the word, wording and phrasing he's using. I think it's the old cliche of uh, it's hard to do business in January. Top targets won't come. All the usual stuff that we're used to hearing. But what I kind of ask myself is, and what I ask in, in the podcast chat as well, why was he saying that from early on November right up to January transfer? Because I don't think the recruitment thing went on. January 1st, switch the lights on. Let's get to work. This should be a process that's been happening continuously and evolving over time from the summer windows to the winter months and keep that going at that cycle. It just seems like the mean eye that Rogers has just resigned himself to to getting what he has, and he's also said again he's happy with the squad and he likes coaching him and trying to improve the players he gets. Nah, that's what you have to do as a manager. But the whole quality chat has seemed to have disappeared, and he was referencing as well about the money issue. He said, and I do agree with this. He said Celtic couldn't sign a twenty million pound player because that would come with twenty million pound wages. That that's fair. That's a, that's a fantastic point to make because I think some people were wanting that, but it's kind of unrealistic but he did mention maybe the six to seven to eight million pound bracket is somewhere we can shop in like we have with jada and carter Vickers. but there's just nothing happening and on twitter on the socials and on the comments very early on <coughs> what's going on where's the the kind of drive to bring players in we've got nicholas coon by all accounts he looks good but we all knew um he rogers knew we needed more than that well ross has actually already said it earlier um, and it, I, I genuinely think it's something that we're getting out more or less pre-planned again, tinfoil hat on, cynical he don't pre-planned, it's difficult to sign players in January <coughs> no it's no it's difficult to sign players in February it's difficult to sign players in March January is a transfer window, that is the point of January, understand the point that it might be slightly more difficult to pry a player, like we've done with O'Reilly, you can't pry a player away Fate that's performing well in a top team. I understand that it's not impossible. It's it, I wouldn't even go as far to say as it's it's massively difficult in the markets that we would be shopping. Um, I, I think we 
possibly, probably be quite an attractive proposition. We've seen across the road, across the water, they're, they're <coughs> signing players. I, I dare say we'll probably be shopping in the same markets. We were both linked to be Palma. I stand to be corrected, but I think we were both linked to be Kuhn. Maybe it was just paper talk. So I, I don't buy that for a second. It, January is a transfer one day. It, and the other thing that I took away from it was if Rogers. Rogers is Rogers is now rookie manager. This isn't Rogers' first season as a manager. Rogers is has been the course and distance. He's had a great career behind him. If Rogers genuinely genuinely believes that it's nigh on impossible to sign players in January, firstly, why is he spout it non-stop about quality for the last two three months? <laughs> Secondly, the positions. That I think we would all agree, apart from Ross, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that he's replacing is goalkeeper. I think we would all agree that left back. I know we'll probably touch on that at some point. And striker, striker. I'm willing to give benefit of the doubt as much as I don't believe it. I'm willing to give benefit of the doubt because at the start of the season we probably had a wee bit more faith in <laughs> than we've got now. And obviously Kyogo's got a a bad shoulder that's that's waiting on. Uh, on surgery. So, right, so to go back to what I'm saying, sorry, if Rogers genuinely believes it's that difficult to sign players in January and he spouted on about quality for the last three months, why were these positions not addressed in the summer? Everybody could see that it was glaringly obvious we needed a left-back. You could argue we even need a right-back. We needed a goalkeeper. And, as I say, we weren't give benefit of the doubt, but really, we needed a striker as well. We knew that in the summer, we done nothing. We established an eight-point lead or eleven, whatever it was, and everything was rosy. That then went tits up, and that's when this talk of quality started. We now sit here on the twenty-sixth of January, and the quality chat is starting to thankfully taper down. We haven't signed <coughs> quality, as I said last week, and I probably took a bit of stick for it. For me. Kuhn isn't a quality signing. That's no me saying Kuhn's a bad player. It's no me saying he's a bad signing. But is he somebody that's going to come in and instantly take a starting spot and improve that team? Up for debate, but for me, I don't think so. So that's that side of it. The second side with what you've seen there about the, t- the scouting department coming in in the 1st of January and switching the light on. Now, granted, this is just all rumours, but if you believe what we've read in the papers, we've obviously had an interest in Owen Beck for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. I would be hard-pressed to say that anybody would have had their eyes on Owen Beck in the summer when he signed for Dundee. He didn't sign for Dundee over Celtic. Celtic were not interested in Owen Beck in the summer. So the position that was so glaringly obvious for everybody, apart from the people that mattered within the club, that was so glaringly obvious in the summer, our number one target for that position, who it looks like we're not going to get, is a guy that's only presented himself to us within the last six months. Hmm. So how can that be our one and only target? That That's just sheer negligence. There was talk of that, was it Thiago Araujo? <coughs> uh, he's yeah, still available. Astrolli. Yeah, Yep, he's still available. If we want him, I think we've been told the asking price was at three and a half, four and a half million whatever it was, we weren't willing to pay it. Then, everything's went into Owen Beck. A guy that's presented his, uh, presented himself to us within the last six months. 
so that that's kind of my take on January. And then just to conclude, Morant, with what you were saying, or what Rogers was saying about this £20 million site, we can't go and sign a £20 million player. Nonsense. Nobody's asking us to go and sign a £20 million player. Nobody expects us to go and sign a £20 million player. It's a nothing statement. It'd be as well going out and saying we can't sign Lionel Messi. Everybody knows we can't do that. We don't expect us to do that. What we do expect us to do is maybe go... We've just sat and had a backpacking session at the AGM and we've told us we've got £70 million there in the bank. We're playing for £60 million this year and I don't think that £70 million included the, cha- the Champions League money for this season that we've just played in. So you're sitting circa £100 million in the bank and you're playing for £60 million. They've done it with 10 in a row and they're looking to do it again with a £60 million pot. They're gambling £60 million and there is absolutely no need for them to do it. There is no excuse for them to do it. And I think this time, I don't think there's anywhere for them to turn. I don't think they can point and say that we tried because nobody's going to swear it. You can't have a backpacking session telling us you've got all this money in the bank, cash reserves and everything, and then come out and say, see the guy we wanted at left back? They were asking for a million pound more than we wanted. See if you value him at a certain amount and you want him in your team and you believe he's genuinely quality. What's a million pound? Do you know what I mean? Look, we're sitting here and we're talking about Matt O'Reilly, 20 to 30 million. That's a 10 million pound bracket. And we're <coughs> haggling out a 1 million pound bracket. It's just, it just stinks. And it's something that we've seen before. All this nonsense, and I will get to the end soon, but all this nonsense that we've seen about. We look to Keep going, out, Keep <laughs> going. Every, every transfer Monday, we look to come out stronger. Bullshit. Absolute nonsense. Doesn't happen. Will we come out this one day stronger? Arguably, and the only reason that's arguable, we've got rid of players that didn't contribute, and we've signed one player in a position that <laughs> me personally, unless Abada leaves, which I think we'll come on to discuss, and I think he will, then arguably we don't necessarily need, we're quite flooded with wingers. So, I, I'll take a breath now, but that's where I'm at. I, 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 honestly, I, I know... Ross is gone, but I, I just find it so difficult to disagree with anything I've said there. I, I honestly, I just feel as if it's staring <laughs> you in the face. Or I, I don't even say that to be a dick, but I, I genuinely, I just, I, I don't understand how you can make an excuse after they've had a backpacking session. I mean, they put a statement up on the website telling us about cash reserves and stuff like that. And as I say, they've gambled 10 in a row, they're now gambling £60 million. Do I think we've got the best team in the league? This isn't me waving a white flag for the league title. I still genuinely believe that we've got the best starting eleven in Scotland. I genuinely believe that. But then you look into the rest of the squad, out with centre-mid and out with arguably centre-back. I would say centre-back as well. Centre-mid and centre-back. The rest of the squad is piss poor. I mean, you're looking at guys like, as I said in the group chat, if Kyogo gets injured and he's bearing in mind he's got a gummy shoulder needing treatment, if Kyogo gets injured, we've got O. Do we trust O carries into the business end of the season with a two-point lead? I don't, <laughs> personally. If well, Greg Taylor is injured, Alexandro Bernabe is now our only recognised left-back. Do we trust him? I definitely don't. Or is Mitchell Frame all of a sudden became good enough to get back into the pool because he absolutely has to? And then Alistair Johnson, no had a great season. I think he still got some credit in the bank for, for last year. But his backup is Tony Ralston. Tony Ralston, at best, splits opinion. He doesn't do it for me. So I think that's pretty poor as well on that side. And then the goalkeeper. I mean, Joe Hart is the best of a bad bunch. 
if Joe Hart gets injured, then honestly, I'd fucking be looking to play hoopy in goals or something like that. Because it's just it's just so, so poor at we centre-back and centre-mid. We've got numbers, but we've not got this quality that we've we've spoke about. That I, I disagree with that. I, I think Palma has got quality. I think Maida has his uses, but I think he's a winger that's best works done defensively. But after that, it really is much a muchness. Yang doesn't need the end for me. Terrio doesn't need the end for me. Forrest is finished. And uh, Mikey Johnson is Mikey Johnson. But apart from that, I'm delighted that Cameron Carter-Vickers is signed. <laughs> I mean, to be fair to you, James, I can feel the passion from you. And I, I do like, I appreciate that a lot. And much of what you said, <laughs> I'm on board with. Do you know what I mean? I, I 100% am. And it's I, like, I'm I think there were rumours as well. I'm just happy you didn't ask me to repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> I, there was rumours you on about haggling the fees. Apparently, we were haggling over three hundred thousand for Nicholas Coon towards the end. That was something that was in the mainstream. I mean, so <laughs> that kind of that side of the board hasn't gone away. I mean, that's a famous saying over here. I haven't gone away, you know. But if anyone gets it in, in the comments, I mean. But um, it's Ross. If me and you have sat back loads of times having a beer on a Monday or a Friday and we've went at it uh, for hours and hours about the board and I agree with James to an extent where I don't know how <coughs> yeah you can make a case 100% because it's opinion based and we all like opinions but he's right in, in a sense that the board had a, a session at the AGM bumming the finances up and they were talking about backing the manager then there's financial things in place to back him they said that openly and just nothing seems to be happening. I know we've got Nicholas Kuhn over the line, and James, I kind of disagree with you on the front that maybe he's not a quality signing. We don't know yet because he hasn't kicked the ball. Do you know what I mean? That, that's, he hasn't kicked the ball for us at the moment, and by all accounts, at Rapid Vienna, he was decent. And what I noticed as well, in the comments, it spiked. When we started talking about the board, <laughs> boom, it was bang, 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 bang. bang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I would say 90% of the, of the comments are probably <laughs> saying, I mean, there's Stephen Murdoch. Go on yourself, James. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's like people understand the frustration. And I sometimes I hear the words entitled or spoiled or that because some people are expecting more from the board. I don't agree with that because from my point of view, I want something to be better and come out of these windows stronger. And again, I disagree with James. We're not coming out of this window stronger. We're actually coming out weaker if you take away what we've let that go and the only addition we've brought in necessarily, do you know what I mean? When we need other areas of the pitch strengthened. But where do you sit on it? Uh, what do you think's going on? And then again, I fucking, I don't know, man. Just take it away. <laughs> uh, listen, there's a lot of what James said that I kind of disagree with. Like, <clears throat> I don't necessarily think that we needed to replace Greg Taylor as our left back but we certainly needed to bring another left back in to challenge him or take his place because Bernabeu isn't good enough that hasn't happened so far Joe Hart again I think probably I'm I'm a bit like Anthony I wouldn't like to replace your keeper in the summer but I've said before unless it was like a, a, a marked improvement on Joe Hart then and, and, and it's a deal that can be done, then go and do it. But I'm not overly keen, as I say, to replace your keeper mid-season. But I, I, there's a couple of things. Like James said there um, that we gambled 10 in a row and now we're gambling with a £60 million. Pound. I don't think we gambled 10 in a row. I think there was a lot of things that went against Celtic, but 
in that summer, leading up to tender, we spent the best part of twenty million pound. We spent it poorly, definitely. But we didn't gamble with the ten in a row because we spent enough money that <coughs> had we got the recruitment right, we should have went on and won the league title. But that the, the the poor recruitment coupled with the fact that there was guys promised that they could leave and then we couldn't let them leave and then obviously COVID and all the rest of it. I, I think that played a big part. I don't think Celtic gambled with that season. But, and then I look at it and it, no, it, no, no, sorry. I've no one to interrupt you. I was just going to say, I've talked about the gambling. I just think Neil Lennon, pointing Neil Lennon when we appointed him, <coughs> that, that for me just overrules everything. It should never have happened. And it, as I said, so that, that for me is the, the gamble. Oh, that's fair enough. But I mean, they appointed him maybe a year and a half before the 10 season. And he'd mm-hmm. done a treble and then he'd done a treble again. So, I mean, as much as probably in hindsight, they shouldn't have given Neil Lennon the job. He had done well in his first stint eh, to an extent and then he came in and he, he, he won every trophy available to him. So to not give him the job was... Listen, it probably would have been harsh at the time, but for me at the time, I didn't think he should have got the job. But as by the by, in terms of the gambling with the £60 million now, if Celtic were so money, if the Celtic board are so money orientated and so thrifty, like everybody says, why would they gamble with a possible sixty million pound windfall? I don't think. I don't think. Listen, as I say, there's a lot I agree with what James said there, right? But I don't think. I just. I just can't believe for a second. And this is just me. I just can't believe for a second. People think that the Celtic board are sitting on their hands and going. Nah, fuck that, I'm not signing him, I'm, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. I don't think for a second, I think they are trying to sign players. And listen, you can take a for what Roger said in his press conference, whichever way you want. And for me, he, he did, you could say, as you said, Stephen, that he's maybe setting us up for a slow end to the window. And by the way, it, it, he's, he's left it open to that, but he's also said that we might get signings in they are still working but as I said before he's he's want a certain type of quality Celtic were slated in the summer and rightly so for a scattergun um, sort of what's the word I'm looking for a scattergun approach that's it uh, to the the signings and at the time I I didn't like as much as I defended uh, the sort of I never really defended the signings. I just said I'm no what. Excuse me, I'm no what to like slate these guys when I've no seen them kick a ball. But when they were signing these players, I wasn't like I didn't see a a sort of plan because it was that scatter gun approach, and they were slated for it, and rightly so. With hindsight now, listen, it wasn't a good summer window. There's a couple of guys that have done pretty good, Bernardo's coming on to a game Palma's done well in fits and starts uh, home hasn't had a lot of football, so I mean, overall it wasn't a, a great summer window, and now for me albeit they haven't, they've only signed one player, but now they're, it looks to me the way Brendan Rodgers is talking, that it's a more measured approach and there's a plan and they want to sign a certain type of quality 
And for whatever reason, you're going to you're going to send him over the fucking heads. No, but, <laughs> no, but you're for, saying, what, you're for whatever that, reason, it hasn't harmed. Sorry, I just got to turn that into question time, man. But you're saying, <laughs> you're saying a certain type of quality. What does that mean? Well, it means, um, for, I, I don't know what it means, right? But for me, my take on it is that it, it means a level up for what we signed in the summer, not guys that are going to come in and um, sort of... Can I throw something at you, Ross, that, that, that might actually help what, what you're saying there? Rogers did say he's been offered players by the recruitment team and he said no because he, he wants a certain quality in. So aye, I think that's probably aye, because what, what he's, it is. He's, he's, he's sort of went with it in that summer window because he was overseeing what he had, but he was still right bringing these guys to me or whatever and right, we'll get them in. And he's trusting himself. He can, he'll bring these players in and he'll coach them because he said it in his uh, press conference yesterday that he thrives on that as well. Um, but <clears throat> I, I, I th- as I was saying, I, I think that there's a more measured approach to this window, and Rogers is, I think, in the background, adamant that there's a certain type of quality that he wants. But um, for me, that is <clears throat> a level up for what we've just signed in the summer, right? And uh, listen, people will say uh, that this is uh, the this as an excuse, saying that um, the January transfer window is hard to sign players, but it's no an excuse. It, I've heard this in the last sort of six months for the Celtic support saying that it's an excuse. It isn't an excuse, it's a renowned fact. Every club says it, that it's difficult to get players in. And the very fact for me is a prime example that Atletico Madrid, a huge club in the European stage, come in and try to sign Matt O'Reilly and Celtic have just no, you're not getting them because we're no losing one of our prized assets mid-season when we're trying to reach our goals in the second half of the season and I think that's what Celtic are going in for this I'm not going to say that word again, it starts with you, but they're going in for <laughs> this certain type and they are faced with the same thing as what Atletico Madrid have been faced with Celtic albeit it's not to the same level he's signing. It, it's Celtic are faced with the same problem, but a, a, a little bit lower down in the food chain. I'm not saying I'm delighted with this January window. I'm not. <clears throat> but I'm at the stage now, off the back of that summer window, that if if, Brent, if Celtic and Brendan Rodgers, certainly Brendan Rodgers, more so, can't get the targets that he wants in this window, and they're not available, I don't want Celtic just to sign somebody just for the sake of it, to get a body in, to appease the fans. I really don't. I, I just well, want can, Celtic... Can you, can you... No, no, let me finish. I just want Celtic to like be measured and <clears throat> just get in who they want. And if we have to wait till the summer, so be it, right? And people are panicking now because Greg Taylor's injured, right, for the next few games. And it's not great, right? But We've got Bernabé who can come in, right? And I know, listen, I've slated that guy. He's he's not good enough long-term for Celtic. Can he come in and do it for two or three games? It remains to be seen, right? <clears throat> I've also said that I don't think Liam Scales is the answer for left-back to replace Greg Taylor for whatever period of time, right? But for a few games, 
Celtic have got the scope where they can go to a back three. They could put Liam Scales out to left back and play Navrocki alongside um, Carter Vickers. They can also um, play Bernabeu at left back and keep their central pairing of Carter Vickers and um, Scales. So all is not lost here defensively. It's a few games. Greg Taylor can come back in and do well. For me, in this window, Brendan Rodgers spoke about four players coming in. I never thought for a second that would happen. I didn't think we'd get out all the players that we wanted to get out. I wanted us to keep our prized assets, which we're going to do by the looks of things. I wanted us to get a a winger in, which we got in, uh, and I wanted us to get a striker in. Whether that happens or not, I would like us to sign Miofsky. Now, I know that Aberdeen are talking about four and five million pounds, and for to spend that on somebody that will essentially be a backup striker is it's not great. But listen, if Celtic fans are complaining that the English clubs come in and lowball us with players, then we we can't then lowball Aberdeen. Do you know what I mean? But I think the, the thing with Miofsky is if, if we get him, he's probably in about, I don't know, about what, seven to ten grand a week. So if we get him for four or five million pounds, right, we'll no need to pay him 30 grand a week. We could, we could probably pay him 20 grand a week. So wages-wise, I think it it makes sense, but it is a high fee. But I, I would like us to get a, a striker in and then, listen, we look at the, the goalkeeper and we look at the left-back. If we can't get somebody in to challenge Greg Taylor in this window, which it looks like we probably won't now, we look at the areas in the summer and we must look at the areas in the summer. That I concede. But I don't think... I, I, I think there's enough in this squad to go and win the league. As does James, as do you, Stephen, absolutely. But that, that's I, I don't think point, it's though. as dire... Eh? That's not the point. No, I know, it's not, I know it's not the point. I know it's not the point. I've, I've made my point aye, aye. before that and I'm just saying that I'm not overly panicked. I would like us to do the business that I want want them to do. But if they don't, I'm quite happy to wait to the summer for to get the targets that he, Brendan Rogers, would want ultimately, rather than just get a body in. And I think in the meantime, we've still got enough in the team to go and win the league. Yeah. I, I just sorry. I I just think that. I know, obviously, it kind of divides. A, <laughs> it kind of divides opinion. But Greg, Greg Taylor, I, I, look, I maybe talking at a school, but I think maybe ninety percent of the support would agree that Greg Taylor is the weak link in the team, probably along with Joe Hart. Uh, well, the way I'll put it is, I think they would agree that that's the two positions that need replaced the most. And Sorry, spend... James. I'm I'm not being ignorant, but I'm just going to no, no, no. for a wee second. I'm really a day while I listen to you, but I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> I'll still be talking. When you come back. It's fine. <laughs> no, but we we we've, uh, we've spent the last well, pretty much we've spent for the summer discussing how Greg Taylor probably isn't going to be good enough in the role that he's being asked to play. We find ourselves now sitting in a transfer window that isn't shut yet, trying to talk up his replacement that has been deemed absolutely horseshit to this point and we're saying that if he comes in then it could be good enough we've got a manager that sat at his unveiling press conference and spoke about progress in Europe and want to kick on in Europe aye we won a game this year 
fucking get the bunting up. We still finished fourth. It doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? We still finished fourth. But he sat at his unveiling press conference and spoke about progress in uh, progress in Europe. <laughs> then for the last however many year, uh, however many months, sorry, as we've all spoke about, we keep hearing about quality. We've got what a few days left of this transfer window. And he's now telling us, he's basically preparing us for, for disappointment. And he's telling us that it's difficult today, business in January, and it, he needs to coach what he's got. Firstly, the coach what he's got thing. I, I get he that. He said that in summer. He said that in the summer. I, I, exactly. I, I get that because at the end of the day, that is a manager's job. But the quality thing, how can you go for literally non-stop talking about quality in November? And then when the window is still open, Start telling us how hard that is to can, get. Can I say something? Can I say something? And look, it kind of adds to your point, James, as well. And Ross, what you were saying, you you said something, Ross, that kind of sparked me a wee bit. You said that you'd rather wait to the summer to get the targets that Rogers wants in instead of bringing a body in. My kind of kind of point that that would be was when that summer transfer window shut, he he should have been or I kind of assume he would be in recruitment meetings saying, this is the profile of player I want. This is who I need. This is what positions I need strengthened. Mark Lowell should have went and done his job with the rest of the scouting team and recruitment team at that time. So I don't know how you've got between August to January and you can't find three players that would come in and definitely add to your squad. That to, that to me baffles me. And I have, to under, I have to say one thing. I do want to make something clear here in the comments. I know I haven't read a lot out. I'm not ignoring anything. I'm reading them. I'm taking them on board. And I'm trying to relay them back to Ross and James as well in a, in a roundabout way. So there's a, a lot of people saying it in the comments. Sam Fran, by the way, Ross agrees with you. Strains of the doctor is kind of fearing on your side as well. But there's people saying these possessions need to sort it out two years ago. That we've been crying out for a left back, a striker, uh, well, uh, um, a couple of other possessions. So I mean, so... The recruitment team are well-versed in what we need. And if Roger said, I want to level up, surely four months is enough to get find a player who would be the level up from what they were scouting. No, it's just what I'm seeing in the comments here. Right, well, well firstly, on the left-back situation, right, I know that it's been needed addressed. Greg Taylor has seen off, like people have said, Greg Taylor's seen off many a left-back, right? But most of them have been shite, right? So... That's that's another reason why I'm I think like we've we've had enough Bernabeis, we've had enough ball and goalies, we've had enough whoever the fuck else Greg Taylor has seen off, right? They're not good enough. Oh, I don't want us to, I don't want us to sign another Bernabeu, another whoever. I want us to get it right. I want us to sign a guy who's gonna challenge Greg Taylor or take his place. That's all I want. And I, if if we have to wait to the summer for that rather than sign another Bernabeu in a rushed... And I know you've said they've had months, right? And what I will say with that is... I was going to say in a rushed sort of <laughs> signing there, but they, they have had months to prepare for this, right? But it doesn't matter how many months you've got to pre prepare. You can scout players, look at them, and decide, right, this is the guy I want in the four months, but when the window opens and you go for that guy, if the team don't want to sell him, that's not Celtic's fault. But is that not the same in the summer as well? If a club doesn't want to sell, they won't sell? But it's a bigger, it's a, a 
large window, space window, of time in the window and it's not mid-season teams are preparing and you expect comings and goings to hurt them in January I think most teams try and get ready players that they're not going to use try and get them out on loan if they think that they might be of value to them the season after but they're getting football uh, keeping players that they've already got keeping a hold of them I think that's what January's about and if you can listen, people have made the case. And it wasn't it difficult for Ange? Ange was signing guys for Japan. He signed Maeda, Idaguchi, and Hatati in the one go. Maeda worked out, and Hatati worked out. Idaguchi didn't. He? But it was the end of the Japanese season, so they were more sort of willing to let players go. And like Ange was very accustomed to that market. Uh, after that, well, like, in that same January window, he signed Matt O'Reilly. He was the second choice, so you could say to an extent he got lucky with that one. The following January, he signed Alistair Johnston. That was it. It's one signing. Brendan Rodgers had one January window. He's made one signing so far. We can't say whether uh, Kuhn is going to be a success or not, but if he is, well, that's as successful as last January when we had Ange at the helm. So, Mate, I, I will agree with you in, in that front, to be fair, um, because I think there has been a bit of a rewriting of history around Ange um, and his transfer windows. I, I loved Ange. I, I wish he never left, obviously, but it, there, there was a fair share of duds signed in amongst that. Your Kobayashi's, mm-hmm. Haksibanovich. There, there was a few duds in there. But this notion that the board were all in and Ange right for the get-go and we had this rebuild. Ange had to basically put the board in place early doors. What was it he said about... Um, mm-hmm. Not being the, forceful enough. Aye, uh, there wasn't enough aggression or something in the, the recruitment department. So <laughs> I, I don't think Ange is... A t- and look, we didn't know this at the time. If we're being honest, we didn't know anything about him. I think when he came in, a lot of people maybe thought he was a yes-man, myself included. We were wrong. But I think he would be have enough about him to go and be like, look, this isn't good enough. If this doesn't happen, I'm off or whatever. I, I, don't, I, I don't know why, and I don't have anything to back it up, but I, I just don't... I, I don't think Rogers has that about him. And I, I, I don't know why. If I'm being honest, I don't really I don't really understand Rogers coming back to Celtic in this situation. Like when you think when Rogers left Celtic with the whole Mary and Shved thing, and then obviously no signing McGinn, Castagna, James Justin, all these guys, a few of them that he went on to sign for Leicester. And to me, it feels like he's literally just walked back into the same scenario. It's just, it's all the same faces, just in, in different roles in the boardroom. And when he put his wee comment out about having <coughs> a good relationship with the board, then... Surprisingly, his name has not he who has not he who has should he that's easy for me to say fucking love I'll just say his name. Uh, I thought I I, I thought you more than me there, James. You, you took a horrible form. You took a horrible form. I'll take the marbles out my mouth and try again. No, but um, he's he's not been we've not even mentioned his name. And look, that's a kind of different avenue to go. Well, I want to throw him. something at you, James, while while you're talking. Where does Mark Lawwell sit in this? The recruitment team, right? So Rogers gives the profile of what he's looking for. There's Ross Ditson again. Rogers gives the, the, the profile of what he's looking for. It's Mark Lawwell's 
job and his team who's around him to sort that out and bring up a list of targets. So where does he sit? I I I necessarily don't think. I mean, if you look look back with Lee Lee Congerton, um, Nick, who was it? The Nick Hammond and a, another fella as head of recruitment under Brendan's first time. I don't think that went too well. No. So with Mark Lowell, it seems we could turn the same road. So what what's the issue, and where does the recruitment team stand on it as well? Well. <sighs> If, I, I said when uh, probably well, would have been on the Jungle Gyms podcast, but when when Rogers first came in, my main concern and history I think backs up, at, not even just at Celtic but across his whole um, his whole career, his recruitment, barring a few absolute gems, um, obviously Rogers Scott Sinclair, but by and large his recruitment hasn't been great. I think his best football that he played at Celtic in his first spell was largely know his team, they weren't his signings but then that's where you think right, well, we've got this guy and I'll not even mention his surname yet but everybody kept telling us about how how good this guy was and he'd done this for Man City and he was in the City group and he was a Doug's bollocks basically the guy's been posted missing we've not heard a peak for him and look, I'm not saying he's going to fucking come out after matches and give interviews and everything but there is literally, <coughs> I don't even think there was anything when he was appointed and I'll ask the question that I asked at the time, and it still stands to reason the day. If we advertised for that position, who did Mark Lobel beat in the recruitment process? Me. <laughs> Was there a recruitment process, or did the name just fit? If I've got my tinfoil hat on, and I don't think it's it's a stretch, I think the name just fitted, and he came in, fucking Guardiola's T-boy, or whatever job be done at Man City. So... You've got that issue I'd as well. I'd be daft to try and argue against that. I would not argue against that. So that that that's a separate issue in itself. As I said, I, I don't understand why Rogers has come in, but then it just stinks of nepotism and it's creeping out the boardroom into the recruitment department. Uh, James, and... I, I also found it funny in the AGM that Michael Nicholson put <laughs> Mark Lowell firmly at Pasta Cogdu's door. Do you remember that? I... He was basically saying that it was Pasta Cogdu's choice. Right, well, I had to laugh at that as well. I, I can't even mind if it was on here or the group chat or just talking to somebody in general, but I, I said as well, remember obviously the Eddie Howe saga? See, when that got to its conclusion, again, we'll, we'll never know the truth, but the rumour was it was because the Eddie Howe wanted to to bring in his own director of football, head of recruitment, whatever title you want to get, but he wanted to bring in his own man, I think, that he worked with at, at Bournemouth. And the, the talk at the time was you can't mark your own homework, you, that can't happen because when the manager leaves, you need the person to stay. Law will stay, I get that, so it kind of deflates the argument. But the, the point being that you, you can't bring in your own man, you can't mark your own homework. So then two years later, the board's come out and says, I, the manager, wanted him. And it just so happened that it was our chairman's son. Uh, Disney, Disney really kind of smacky a, a real thought out kind of quality appointment it's just nepotism that that is it in a nutshell it's just sheer nepotism yeah and that, again it's hard to argue with it and, and like what Ross said that the head of recruitment should be a, a place that, that's kind of a highly kind of qualifications and stuff like that the, the right type of stuff I mean you, you look at and I know we don't, don't like talking about them but they they appointed uh, I think it was the Farnod head of recruitment 
Um, he worked closely with, with Clement before and, and they've signed a couple of players. Look, that happens. That That's fair enough. But I feel like, for me anyway, kind of rounding off in this kind of bit that the future planning at Celtic is, is non-existent. And, and I know Ross mentioned Bernardo. Yeah, that's, again, that may be a succession to Matt already, but I don't think it was a direct succession for Matt already, in my opinion. It's just so happened that he's quite, quite similar and he's come on to a game. That, I don't think it can be, though, with a player that I, well. Yeah. That's what I was my point yeah. as well. Yeah, no, I, I get that 100%. And remember, Dominic Mackay came in. He was bringing all these forward-thinking ideas and that kind of got kiboshed really quickly and he, he was out the door. And in the comments, San Fran, I don't rate him, but the, the Lawwells are going nowhere. Uh, Paul McFarlane, Don Mackay wanted to move forward with new ideas and the, the board shit themselves because money needed spent. Um, Steve Murdoch, when the bonnet <coughs> broke the dynasty, he stated that Celtic should never be in that position again. We are now. I don't know about we're not in the financial difficulties, but I cannot understand where you're coming from. Bill McCabe, Mark Lowell, I'm underqualified. The... Go ahead. Hey, I was just going to say on um, God, I forgot his name there about a uh, Don McKay. Yeah, the comment about Don McKay. Who is it? Put it on again. Let me see. Paul McFarlane. Paul McFarlane. Now, go and put the comment up again just so I can... Uh, there you go. Don't want to move forward with you. It, by all accounts, he did, right? But at the same time, off the back of him, leaving him that... I can't remember who it was. We so, I think it was Jack Jack Marcus. And uh, all the talk then was that he'd fucked up the... Um, the deals and the contracts and the sale and fees or whatever it was. I can't mind the full ins and outs yet. So people can, again, it's that narrative you can spin against it. And I'm not defending the board here. It's that narrative you can spin any way you want. So he, they wanted rid of him because he had new ideas. But then at the same time, you have to caveat it with the fact that, well, it's came out that he, he fucked up contracts and that might be why they let him go. But at the end of the day, we're sitting in a podcast and most of the time when we're talking about the board and transfer dealings, etc., we're speculating uh, and we'll never, we'll never be privy to it, but it makes for good debate. Uh, and yeah. if I was in the same room as you, I'd not want to use it. <laughs> I was going to say we'll be meeting in a car park after this, but this time of night, I think that's got different connotations. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Bring your headlights and flash them, eh? But I, I was going to say, Ross, pouring the perfect pint and we're, we're in the, the Celtic top that reminds me of Stelian Petrov. Memories, memories. That, that just reminds me of it big time. But, um, <laughs> I mean, let's speak about another transfer that, that could be happening, James, and just to kind of wee segue away from the, the debate of the board, which was quite good. I enjoyed it. Felipe Yada's been linked with, with West Ham and his time at Al Etihad hasn't gone quite well. He, he's, he fell out of favour really quickly. And funny enough, their manager is now the Nottingham Forest manager. So, what I just wanted to ask was, do you think Felipe Yala will end up at the top of the top club in the European stage? I mean, West Ham could be a springboard for him to showcase his qualities, and I think he can move on quite quickly. I think if we signed him, that would have been a quality signing. Um, <laughs> but, but, no, no I, I think he's got everything to go to the top. Obviously, we, we've seen it here, and He's kidding himself on if he says the, the Saudi move was for anything bar money. And look, fair play to him. I know, obviously, kind of politically, everybody will have their opinions. But if somebody's flinging, was it 200 grand at you, then I think I'd change my opinions pretty fast for that money, if I'm being totally honest. So I fair play to him. He's been earlier, made his money, and then he's got his 
I know say it's a big move because I think if he performs, he'll have another big move in him. But I fair play. Yeah, I think the Stephen Gerrard's team, Ross, was in for him and he told him to fuck off. <laughs> I, apparently that was the rumour they wanted him on loan from his parent club in Saudi Arabia. But the way I look at this is Felipe Real is a top talent. He was brilliant for us and I think showcasing his qualities in the biggest stage of them all. And he, for me anyway, he's, he's good enough to play for the top teams. And West Ham, as I said, the James could be that kind of springboard. Like Kieran Tierney went to Arsenal from us. I mean, Postacoglu as a manager went to Spurs. And maybe Jada could have followed that similar path, but as James said, you get that amount of money flung at you for a couple of months, you're you're sniffing the green there, like not that green that you smoke, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and and he and he's on his way. But um, do you think he'd be good in EPL? I think he'll do all right in EPL. Um, listen, I think Jota for Celtic was a fantastic player. He was a big game player. Was he a top top player? Did he show that eleven goals? I think he got last season. No, so sure. I think he goes to West Ham, he'll do well. I think I don't think he could play for a top six club. To be perfectly honest with you, I don't think he's well. I don't think he's good enough. The now I don't think he was good enough when he left Celtic to to go straight to like a like an Arsenal or um, even Spurs. Listen, he could go to West Ham and do really, really well, but I think he's still got a bit to prove before I would say um, that he would definitely play for a, a top English team. I think he's got West Ham, Wolves, possibly even Brighton written over him at the minute, um, but top six remains to be seen for me. Yeah, and there was one thing, actually, James, just to come back to it in that debate, Ross mentioned it a bit, and I didn't quite delve into it, right, was Greg Taylor. So he's out for, I think it's three to four weeks as left-back. And I think Ross mentioned the fact that we could maybe bring skills to left-back and play Naraki alongside Carter Vickers and, and Johnson at right-back. Do you think it's imperative now that we bring a left-back in? And if it's, if so, do you think it should be the quality left-back or a stopgap <laughs> until Taylor until Taylor's back in the squad? I think it's a must. And as much as I've just absolutely slandered every day in, in the boardroom and probably rightly so but I, I do think we will bring in a left back I don't think it will be a permanent I think it will be a loan deal and I think our arses will be flattened now because Greg Taylor is injured the, no, genuinely though it's the, it's the thing that everybody said about hypothetically all throughout the windy it has now happened but the windy is still open for us to get somebody in so I think we could see somebody coming in on loan Um but for me, as I said, I said it in the summer, I've said it again in January, I think a left-back and a goalkeeper was the absolute bare minimum. And I, I think there is little in the chances getting a goalkeeper. Um, so I, we're not going to do enough for me in this one day. But I, I do think we'll bring a left-back in on loan. I think it's funny that the goalkeeper we were linked with, Valdemarsen, has signed for Brentford. Mm. 3.5 million. Done, done his medical yeah. five-year contract. Nice. And again... Who knows if he's going to be good or not, but he has signed for them. But what what about you, Ross? I mean, you mentioned skills at left-back. Would you ha- be happy to run with that until um, Taylor's back in? Or would you take a, a an emergency loan left-back? I would probably go with Bernabeu. Uh, the game's the Mora. Aye. I yeah. would go with Bernabeu, um, the Mora. See how he goes. And if he's shite, I would be... I would be inclined to go go to a back three, to be perfectly honest with you. A back three? I think we could play a back three. Let's well, get into your, your scoring line-up prediction for tomorrow, then. Um, 
I'm going to go 3 0 Celtic uh, lineup. Joe Hart, Alistair Johnson, Carter Vickers, um, probably Scales, uh, Bernabai, uh, Midfield 3, um, McGregor, Bernardo O'Reilly, uh, Palma, Abada, Kyogo. And your score prediction? Um, three 0 again, nice. That's 3-0, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> double, double it up. I love it yourself, James. Uh, Obviously, I think, think Roger said that Coon and Carter Vickers are available, so they're considered for uh, selection. Like, I, I would agree with Rossi's team. The only change I would make is I think he'll put Ralston in at left back before Burnaby. Mm. Um, I actually think he'll probably give Mitchell Frame a game at left back ahead of Burnaby. Um, but he, he, I'm sure he'd, he'd done it. Don't get me wrong, it was off the bench, but he, he brought Ralston on to play left-back in one of the games just before Christmas, I think. <coughs> um, so I wouldn't I would be surprised to, to see that in the morning. But I think yeah. it'll be comfortable. I think we'll beat Derek Adams, Globetrotters, 5 nothing. He's What about him, Barry? He's a he's fucking absolute arsenal, abs- isn't he? By the way, he's a total idiot, man. Like Total disrespect for Scottish football as a whole. Mate, Nobody else in Scottish football wanted you, apart from Ross County. But it's the fact yeah, he's, I mean, been, he's been back to them three times I as know, well. <laughs> three times, aye. Like, uh, some of the things he's been saying have been so, so harsh. It's aye. ridiculous. Uh, the guy it's incredible must, that he still has a job. Uh, he must be, be a legend that he's in the living room, the guy. I mean, you look at his career, he talks as if he's like, this fucking top manager and was it Morkham he came for? Aye. And he speaks about him as if it's fucking Barcelona. So I don't think he'll be there much longer. He seems an absolute bell end. Uh, it's like, imagine you were... Like he did Brendan, had mere humility when he came into <laughs> Liverpool. It's, it's the fact, he, he done the interview with um, Kenny McIntyre on BBC Sports Sound. And he, I think Kenny McIntyre asked him a question, do you regret becoming the Ross County manager? And he was just like, huh? Like, it's, it's like, what are you doing? It's like, Aye. come on. It's any same face for a bit. It's crazy. But look, for, for me, my, my lineup would be Joe Hart and Gold, Johnson. I would go Fickers, uh, Scales. No, hold on, actually. Fuck that. I would go Fickers, <laughs> N- Naragi, Scales. I, I agree with you, Ross. Um, Calmac, Bernardo, O'Reilly, Kuhn, Kyogo, and Palma. Let's see, let's see what that brings. Now, there is going to be a wee bit of a quiz here, and I was just looking at it to make sure it was okay to do. So it's international football questions. Look, just five questions again. We'll have a bit of a laugh, see what happens, and whoever gets the, the free first. Shout out, out Well, you can sh- I shout out if you want, sure. We'll do that. Uh, I've got well, pen and paper. I can be there's, there's, no, there's no point in me shouting out because you'll just say James won. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. Don't be there. Fanny Adams, I think that describes him. Craig Young, walking the ways, I think he managed. Uh, Paul McFarland, Derek Adams, the biggest ham shank. And then Franny, the Bobby were saying there, what, what would his players think of him? But first question, you ready? Right. right. You make sure our connection is good, Ross. In which year did Jack Charlton become manager of Ireland? 1993. No. James. 1991. 
No, both wrong. So 1986. Question two. 1986. Aye. Question two. Which home international countries were present in the 1982 World Cup finals? Spain and Italy. No, home nations. So you can <laughs> oh, Say it again. That's, say that's the a shambles, again. isn't it? He gets at <laughs> me. And he, oh, wow. Right. <laughs> Which home nations, home international countries were present in the 1982 World Cup finals? <laughs> yeah, I think you said the World Cup enough. final. <laughs> <laughs> Puerto Rico and Costa Rica. <laughs> Anyone want to take Fuck a stab? No. There was three of them. There was three of them. So that narrows in it down. From 1982 World Cup finals. Yeah. Scot- Scotland, England... Northern Ireland. There you go. I'll give it to you. Dead Thomas got it as well. That's one million. I just did not understand that question, by the way. I really didn't. I was like, I thought it was like who was hosting it. I was like, was it no in Spain? (laughs) (laughs) I did not understand that question. Like, (laughs) I beat this twin to be Blackpool, so I understand the confusion. (laughs) (laughs) Right, hold on. Right, hold on a second, right. Question three. Which country moved to the top of the FIFA World Rankings in July 2008? Spain. 2-0, James. Question number four. Now, this could be a whitewash here, Ross. Come on. Uh, Let's see. Which club did Craig Burley leave to take over as Scotland's Chelsea. manager? Oh, fuck. No. Craig Burley? Yeah. Craig Brown? Is it Craig Brown? Scotland's manager was Craig Brown. Which club did he leave? Yeah. Was it Port Vale? James. Preston. No, Southampton. Mm. Question five. Who was the first England manager to make David Beckham captain? Sven Goran Eriksson. No. No, it was the fucking what? Because I watched the documentary. I sort of Ross. I did. It wasn't he. Wasn't he Glenn Hoddle? Was it? It's Peter Taylor. Didn't he? I think it was Glenn Hoddle. He didn't he? Wasn't he in the good terms with him? I got right. Absolutely. Question six. So it's two nil. Need to get the free here. One is. All right. What? Which former West Ham player guided Croatia to two t- two famous wins Slavon, over England? Slavin Bilic. James got it. 3 Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you've listened to that <laughs> back, you'll go on Russia then I'll show it that. <laughs> I, I disagree. <laughs> Paul McFarnham was in there. Ross will walk off the set again if he loses. Franny, Stephen getting himself nominated for ball bag of the week again. Uh, Sam Fran. Yes, roll on, tell him fucking nothing. Let's see. And Craig Young, it's it's because I look like Ronnie Corbett, Paul McFarland with Peter Taylor, 100%. But look, lads, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Have you enjoyed it? I, I think Brilliant, my main takeaway there was uh, Craig Burley taking his Scotland team to uh, Madrid for his home game. <laughs> <laughs> look, listen, I got these questions on my website, all right? Does yeah, it actually that. say Craig Burley? Mate, hold on a wee second, I'll show you. It right. can't, eh, man. It does, mate. Look at this thing. 
Oh my god. That quiz is null and void. That 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 doesn't <laughs> count. That was that was a COVID quiz. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the Zoom, eh? Sitting there getting paced. But look, I do want to remind everyone in the comments as well. You can find us on all the audio platforms like Spotify, Apple, Podbean, Audible, wherever you get it. And Ross, what was it I said the other week? You can take us out when you're taking your dog for a shake and all that. And like, you can, you can oh, do that. That's fucking great. Right, no. <laughs> good crack. You said that. <laughs> <laughs> but look, until Monday, and hopefully we're discussing a positive result against Ross County. Stay well and keep safe. Wait. Heel, heel. No, no, uh, that. That question's George Burley, by the way. It's just on the way. It's no George Craig Burn. Brown. It's George so Burley. So it is, aye. So it is. <laughs> what were we going to say, Ross? <laughs> no, I was, uh, I was just going to say that I think uh, James is what I say, son. Oh, aye, it's yeah, Craig Burley. Fond of me, aye. George Burley. I can't. It's Craig Burley, mate. It says it on the, the, the font. And, and <laughs> aye, aye. It's then it's Craig Burley. <laughs> <laughs> Stay well. Keep safe, everyone. Heel, heel. Thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs>